BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that exists in a true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, they thought they were adopting a six-year-old Ukrainian orphan, but say she was an adult sociopathic little person. Is there more to the story? We'll discuss the curious case of Natalia Grace from Investigation Discovery. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host... (laughs) of their stories podcast. My husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator. Did you ever wonder in the beginning of the Sgt. Pepper album, like when they have those crowd noises and then all of a sudden some of the, just, the crowd just laughs? Yeah. You ever wonder what they're laughing at? Yeah. That's what people are wondering what they're laughing yeah, at. Yeah, they're laughing at your hands <laughs> just like poking me right now. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. So, Kevin, this is Monday's show. It is, yes. What is coming up on Thursday's podcast? On Thursday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast series, Undercover of Night. Um, so, Kevin, mm-hmm. I have to tell you something. Okay. And I have to share something with the crowd yeah. uh, here assembled with us, the two of them. So yesterday was Father's Day. Yes. And your birthday is yes. later this week. <laughs> yes. So as is traditional for me at this time in June, I order way too much stuff for you. I always get you like way too many birthday gifts. And like usually I parse out one of them and like, oh, this is your Father's Day gift. Yeah. So one of the many gifts I ordered for you came in today and it is so shitty. Okay. <laughs> it came out so oh, bad. No. Kevin is very proud and particular about his role as executive producer of this program. And he often reminds me, you're the host, I'm the executive producer, like, let me make this call. You guys have heard it, right? Like, I'm the executive producer of the show. Except when I'm not. And he also has a way too big fucking Yeti cup that, like, has way too much hot tea in it that he very often burns himself on in this show. So I thought it would be really cool to order him a pair of Crime Writers On colored Yeti cups that are personalized with his name and my name and our two jobs on it. So let me show you mine. Let me show you mine first. The names. Mine came out great. It says Rebecca and Kevin. And mine, when you turn it around, says host. And here's mine. (laughs) Apparently Yeti does not allow for font sizing it just allows for the width the width is the same no matter what the font is what does it say executive producer the words executive producer are like the font is like two oh yeah (laughs) it's like something that would be at the bottom of a contract for a used car it is the shittiest uh, personalized cup anybody has ever purchased. I mean, the actual cup is lovely, and all Yeti cups are lovely. Well, yeah, I think the circumference of, you know, it's it's curved, so you can't, you know, imagine, engrave all the way around. So, so imagine, fine listeners, the word host, that's like two, like an inch and a half wide, so it's perfectly proportioned. And then they squeeze the words executive producer into the same amount of length. The font is tiny. If you subscribe to the newsletter, you will have seen this. 
It's really embarrassing. That's really sad. But it looks like a nice <laughs> mug other than the, the tight. Yeah, I'm yeah. really sorry, babe. I was That's really, good. It was the thought that counts. No, the plan was that he'd have this baller one and mine would be less cool because it just says host and his is like the boss one. Mm-hmm. And his just looks like mm-hmm. such a weenie cup compared to mine. I'm just going to get business cards. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that he often burns himself with his tea. He does. Oh, don't you guys... Mm-hmm. I'm going cold today, but usually they say, you know, warm, you know, works better with your throat. And, you know, sometimes it takes a while to get my my voice going again. And so I will make a cup of tea that, you know, I want it to stay warm for all of our recording in the evening. And I put it in the Yeti cup and then it never cools off. It gets hotter. (laughs) (laughs) So you dump in the water. It's like 200 degrees. You steep the bag of tea and... Two hours later, it's still 200 degrees. (laughs) Or it's 197. I actually think it gets hotter. The whole time you're drinking it, you're like burning. "Ah." (laughs) So I never get to drink it. (laughs) Why don't you put in like an ice cube or something? Well, I don't know. Is that the point? (laughs) (laughs) Toby, brilliant. Just like cool it down a little bit so you don't burn yourself. You mean to actually solve this problem instead of just just suffering for many years? Yeah, if I get it at the perfect like 145 or whatever it is, like then it'll stay there. But uh, yeah, it's a thing. Anyway, I thought I was solving the problem and getting something personalized, but it came out so shitty. Yeah, it's perfect to hold your pine salt. (laughs) yes all right so anyway sorry kevin um Mm -hmm. that's why this is not a father's day gift nor a birthday gift for you no i appreciate it it's a stepfather's day gift it's It's half-assed and not really yours yeah it's a bonus father you're like bonus father's day bonus father like scamanda yeah that being said yeah my host my host bonus dad (laughs) yeah your host cup is really really nice yeah my host cup is dominant as hell Because there's only four letters in it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Speaking of hosting, I think it's time to talk about the thing we're talking about, Kevin. Do you think we should drop that first clip now, Mr. EP? Yeah, let's drop that first clip. Imagine if I just put EP on the cup. God damn it. That's what I was thinking. EP. Ep. God damn. I'm going to give you a point. Ready? Drop the clip. You'd be perfect for this little girl that's going to be coming to us. She's a little person. She has dwarfism. Now, here's the problem. You got 24 hours to decide. And if you don't come get her on Monday, she's going directly to foster care. Michael and Christine Barnett thought they were adopting a six-year-old little person with a disability from Ukraine. But Natalia had the physical traits of an adult, including pubic hair and a period. Soon, the family lived in fear as the girl was threatening to harm them and their children. One night, sleep in bed, everything's fine, hear a little noise. I open my eyes and Natalia is standing at the foot of the bed with a knife in her hand. They petitioned a court to declare her an adult and they moved Natalia to her own apartment to live on her own. But police were not convinced Michael and Christine hadn't used the system to abandon a special needs child. Could possibly the Barnett's just be making this up to cover their tails and to cover their tracks? There's something really deeply wrong here. It doesn't smell right. There's something wrong. From Investigation Discovery and available to stream on Max comes The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. With extensive interviews from Michael Barnett, The docu-series explores Natalia's identity and true age, the family dynamics, and the legal fallout that resulted. Viewers are left to decide whether the Barnetts or Natalia are the actual victims. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the curious case of Natalia Grace. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down reviews. So, Laura, you remember this case from the news? I do, because I remember it being in the news, and I remember the story that I saw being an adult posed as a child to get adopted, and and it was like sort of this scandal. But I have to say, I sat down to start watching one episode of this last week, Mm -hmm. and pretty soon it's almost midnight, and I've watched all six. (laughs) Because holy shit, the story that I saw in the news is nothing like what the actual story is when you get into this documentary. And I'm really glad that I've got all the pieces now, but I'm also like, it's actually, <laughs> well, I, I, well, I don't and I do, but I'm going to say 
Like where I thought this was like, oh, this big scandal where like, oh, these people were hoodwinked and they adopted an adult. Actually, it's really kind of a tragedy because it's really a story of child abuse. And it's really, really fucked up this family. Like, I know we're going to get into it, but they are fucked up. And I feel like I can't even believe all the twists and turns of what happened in this story. So, Kevin, the the whole series opens with this opening montage which mm-hmm. sort of shows you stuff that's gonna happen yeah and one of the things we see happen <laughs> in the opening Christ. montage is particularly bizarre yeah it's michael on the floor just like punching the floor over and over again you can't with no context you know you can't I, I keep thinking he's gonna be in this interview and he's gonna freak out he's gonna be so upset and he's gonna be punching the floor you have no idea it's a demonstration that's coming up later but i'm like what the fuck is this thing that we're getting into And uh, actually, I saw one of our listeners had posted this as a story on her Instagram. It was that of him punching the floor. And the tag was, this is the craziest documentary I've ever seen. True crime documentary I've ever seen. I'm like, have to check it out. And that's why. It's just so crazy. You know, And we have to talk about Michael because he's just as interesting as Natalia. Yeah, we kind of have to. But yeah, whoa. It's like, what the fuck is this? It's a little bit like abducted in plain sight where there's just these absurd people in these absurdist situations but other than the what the fuckness of it all it's uh, it's very different it's different than abducted in plain sight though because abducted in plain sight the narrators are telling the truth mm-hmm. and uh, they're reliable narrators which and, is the problem yeah and and toby like not only do we have michael in the present day in this documentary we also have him in an interview that he gave a few years ago right and the documentarians demonstrate to us throughout, like, the documentary, like, later in later episodes, that he is a liar. So I, I, I think the big problem with this, in my mind, is that you spend, what, maybe half the time of this documentary with Michael just going off about stuff and then, you know, supplemented around. But he's definitely the main person. And he's 100% lying at least half the time because they interview him That's twice. 50%, Toby. What? 100% lying 50, half of the time is 50%. Oh, oh yeah. He's definitely, he's definitely lying at least 50% of the time. <laughs> probably closer to 100% of the time. Because <laughs> right. they, they, they interview him twice, once in 2019, once in 2022. He tells very different stories the two times about what happened. Both stories are what is best serves his interest at that particular moment in time. So there's really no reason to trust him about anything. So... You know, you're kind of left with this thing where at the end, like you don't really realize it at the beginning as much, but by the end, you're like, all right, so all the stuff we've been watching, most likely that he's been talking about, most likely is a lie. And if it's not just an absolute out and out lie, it's shading truth to his best advantage because at this point he thinks he might be in legal trouble. So when you go back and you look at the whole story, why is it bonkers? A lot of the reason why it's bonkers is because he's lying all the time and you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on because the actual, like, if you're just like, what are the facts of the story? There is some definitely weird stuff, but it's a pretty straightforward, you know, two narcissists adopt a disabled girl and decide they don't feel like dealing with her. So they, they use various ways to get rid of her. Two narcissists yeah. adopt a disabled girl who also has some serious mental health issues because Correct. Yeah. we do hear from people who at the hospital where she was, you know, a patient for a while mm-hmm. that she did exhibit some symptoms of some serious disorders. She did not necessarily show the symptoms of being 35 years old or whatever the yeah. fuck it was that they were claiming. Well, can I chip in on that? Because as as a viewer... I bought into that story because we were told that when they gave her a bath, she had pubic hair and then she had a period. And so for the longest time, I am locked into that belief. Now, I think this might be purposely an artistic choice of the documentarians to keep you you in on that. And it really wasn't until sort of towards the end when I realized, why, why am I taking that as gospel? You know, that I'm like, oh, well, you know, if Christi- Michael's saying Christine is the horrible manipulator. But, Michael, you saw the pubic hair. I'm like, wait a minute. Why do I think that either of them saw the pubic hair or that, you know, the story about the period that she actually had a period and it wasn't the adults saying this all over again. It it did take me a long time to sort of realize how unreliable a narrator Michael was because he's so good at telling the story. 
out there where the cows are is an electric fence. And you have to say, you know there's an electric fence there, and if you touch it and you get harmed, that you're not gonna hold us liable. When they say that to us, Natalia's eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. Really? There's a scary fence out there and uh, I have to sign this? Okay, I always thought he was full of shit, but I did think that the Natalia stuff was weird, mostly because of the other voices we heard, not because of his. But as Kevin said, Laura, the documentary does have two distinct parts. Yeah, and so it's like we have the Barnett's version, which is in the beginning, where yes, I am listening to Michael as the narrator, I am hearing this version. I'm thinking how interesting they've got this family that's being so forthcoming and just sharing everything that happened. And and at that point, because for me anyway, I had seen this prior news coverage where I see like, oh, she's faked her age and, and scammed her way in. And it's this big thing. I'm like, oh, this is bizarre. And then there's the reality. And the reality is nothing like the Barnett's version. And the reality is... You know, and the thing is, the initial version, like the Barnett's cast Natalia in a very bad light. It makes her sound like, I mean, it sounds like Chucky the doll gone wild, um, Mm, you know, from Child's Play, the way they're describing it. I'm sorry, Laura, but you're right. The reenactments did portray that. They were distasteful and they looked like Chucky from Child's Play in a way that Natalia does not in real life. Yeah. And what, what it was is I feel like they were setting it up like the way that the version, the Barnett version is like a horror movie in the way that they are casting Natalia, like this scary little person who is like just going to kill them and stab them and all this, this awful thing. For me, when I look back at how this documentary was set up like that in these two parts where we have the Barnett's versus the reality, that was interesting to me because I'm like, okay, so you can see in the beginning if these people, this was the story that they were telling everybody around them, the medical professionals, everybody else, like you can see how it might've caught on. But then when the actual story comes out and you're like, no, this is a horrible child abuse case. It's, it's really tragic um, when you look back and then you're like, oh no, now I can see all the writing on the wall in the places where somebody should have seen that these people were totally full of shit. All right. So one of the things that, Toby, you made a note about and that I also made a note about, and here's where I theorize uh, the truth may lie, in my opinion, is that Natalia, obviously we have Natalia, you know, in the documentary, we see her in some more contemporary interviews. I think Natalia was a child who also, both things can be true, may have had psychiatric disorders. Natalia may have been a sociopath. Natalia may have had some disturbance that made her violent. Natalia may have said disturbing things. Natalia may have acted out sexually at a hospital. Natalia came from a very difficult background and was also abandoned by another family before this family adopted her, either because of her behavior or that may have actually, you know, added to the behavioral issues, you know, the the sort of serial abandonment. So, Toby, how do you square the sort of other more reliable narrators we hear in the documentary talking about Natalia's behaviors? We hear from the neighbors, we hear from the people in the hospital. You know, it's not just Michael sort of talking about, you know, Natalia's for lack of a better word, strangeness. And, and I'm, I'm, I want to be sensitive, but people do describe it as like a sort of strangeness. Yeah. So I think there's a few different things that are going on. And one is you don't really, the documentary doesn't really talk about it. But my sense is, I think the pup was kind of primed by Michael and Christine, possibly like in that first neighborhood where they go, where the people are like kind of freaked out at the way she's acting. She's like hanging around. She's talking to the kids in a way that you would be if somebody said, well, she's 21. Right. But if somebody had said she's eight or nine, it wouldn't seem strange. It would just seem like a lonely little girl, right? But she was always hungry, always wanting food. She's a sly fox because she could con you in, in just her way. And everybody dreaded it. She was scary. You know, going back and taking a look at these interviews and then compare them to the ones 
that happened in Lafayette where the parents didn't meet any of the neighbors and mm. didn't talk to any of them. Good point. And they all look at her as a little girl. Like none of them are in any illusion that she is older than, you know, whatever she is at that point, 10 or 11 or nine or, or what have you. So I, I feel like a, a whole lot of this is Michael and Christine sort of putting out this story to cover up their abusive behavior hmm. and getting to people and being able to tell them. And then the people who are in a position where they're either not getting that interaction or they're sort of professionals, like the the guy who's the spinal specialist, are just like, no, like this is obviously a kid. There's nothing that's adult about her. The only times that little frame doesn't really work is at the uh, when she's in a, a mental hospital and the people who work there are sort of taken aback by her sort of forward sexuality and think that she's acting in a way. But um, and we can talk about this later. I think that is like another thing I find a little bit appalling about this documentary is the things that they insinuate but are not willing to actually say yeah. about Michael's relationship with her. Yep. And it may be for legal reasons. But you are left with a very strong impression that there's a certain kind of relationship. There's her like trying to unzip some boy's pants when they're rolling around the grass. Yep. I think all kind of plays into this impression you get at the end. That she was sexually they don't abused. Have the, yeah. Yeah, that he's sexually abusing her, but they don't have the- Or the previous parents. The guts to go out and, and, and say, well, I would say maybe the previous parents, except that at the end, there's that completely oh, yeah. ridiculous scene where they're like, he's got some crazy allegation. But they won't play it, right. but you just see his reaction to it. Christine told me in a series of messages Natalia ruined her life in so many ways. Christine basically said that Natalia started. No. Guys, mic's off. Look, I don't want to talk about this part at all. I watched that whole thing with the hospital and I'm like, this actually reads as a kid who was sexually abused yeah. more than a kid who was a psychopath in my Or opinion. an adult. Yeah. As, yeah. Yeah. But Toby's right about like how it was different, like between the neighbors, you know, when they were in Lafayette and then that other like complex where she would just like walk into people's uh, apartments and like, there's nothing worse than seeing like somebody like, you know, have to beg by the way, if you join us on Patreon, oh god, um, go to patreon.com <laughs> yes. slash partners. Why are you groaning? What a wonderful transition, Kevin. Fuck all three of you. Come you, on now. You won't have to drag your trash down the sidewalk <laughs> if you join us on Patreon. You have to do that. You lock your screen door to <laughs> keep us out with our, our <laughs> bonus materials. <laughs> we promise to bathe if you join us on Patreon. Yes. Uh, At least once a week, whether we need to or stocked. not. <laughs> Whose donuts are those? Uh, yeah, you can join us at Patreon by going to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You can get all episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad free as soon as we finish mixing them down. We'll also get to listen to the Crime Writers on After Show. This week on the After Show, Rebecca is going to be giving us a download on all the uh, podcast industries gossip. Oh my God. All sorts of crazy corporate restructuring and, you know, she's got the inside scoop on uh, some of that. Do you want to let patrons know that you can watch a live show of uh, the Crime Writers On. We're going to be recording on Monday evening, June 26th, and we're asking our patrons to come on, join us on Patreon. You can watch us record that episode and, you know, see how we argue and make the inappropriate jokes that never make it into the podcast. Yeah. Do all that kind of stuff. The, the, you ready for what we're going to be talking Just about that don't night? record it. Don't record it. <laughs> you can watch Kevin scald himself with his hot tea. Yeah. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. We're going to be talking about Jared from Subway. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. I saw the ad for that. For goodness sakes. Yeah. What an uncreative name for a documentary. But you know exactly who they're talking about. <laughs> yep, you do. Not Ivanka's Jared. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not that Jared. Not, no. not Jared's jewelry. The other Jared. Not she got it from Jared. No. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to get through this show. Okay. We also can get things like uh, Mary with Podcast, Leave It to Bricker, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast. Just also want to let you know that I'm going to be in Dublin at the end of the month, and we're asking crime writers on listeners, if you're, if you're Ireland adjacent, 
means you're at sea, whatever, you're in Wales, you can swim over, love to meet for a drink, just uh, go to our our uh, Facebook page, Crime Writers Wait, On. do you know Wait. what the word adjacent means? Just, <laughs> just asking. <laughs> adjacent. If you're actually Irish, we prefer you stay away. If you're, Ir- yeah. if you're Irish adjacent, <laughs> you're yeah, Irish. Adjacent means you connected. can come to Kevin's meetup. It's near. <laughs> okay. I mean, connected, sure, by water. I'm just, you know, it's just my definition of adjacent. All right, all right, all right. Okay, it's not gotcha. contiguous. Gotcha. I'm just, yeah, that's gotcha. that's okay, that's cool. different. Yeah. Okay. So, more details uh, at our Facebook page. Uh, just uh, if you haven't already joined the Facebook page, just... Tell us you'll want to join. We'll bring you in. It's the official Crime Writers on Facebook discussion group. All right. Kevin, um, is that in the section? Yeah, as the executive producer, <laughs> I'm going to say that this ends the business section. As the executive producer, yeah. <laughs> this ends the business section. I will fade the music out. <laughs> right now. Expectations matter. What do you expect from an SUV? Versatility, a range of sizes built to fit your life, a range of exteriors that all invite stairs, or being able to take control of more than just the wheel. Expectations matter, but exceeding them matters more. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. All right, so Laura, one thing we learned in this documentary is that it is not an uncommon custom to age down adoptees from other countries. I thought that was so fascinating Um, because at first you're thinking like, oh, right, like who makes something like this up? But it makes sense. It's like people, when they're doing an international adoption, they want like that little baby that they're adopting from another country. And so the younger, the better. You know, that that is really interesting to me. And I would be curious to know, how that plays out, like, is that something that ever comes to light? Like, in this case, obviously, we get her reaged, and it's, in a, like, not true. But in other cases where there are these international adoptions, I would be curious to learn more about how prevalent it is, like, you know, what's the oldest person, like, and what was their actual age, things like that. I, I find that really fascinating. Hmm. So when Natalia goes and lives in the apartment, That to me is when my whole attitude shifted just so far out of the version that I, like I said, first saw on the news. That was, I think, one of the most tragic things I've ever seen because it's documented. Like, I don't know how we have all this video, but it was- Michael and Christine took it. Kevin's law, Flynn's law. Yeah, I mean, I, that was one of the saddest, sad, because when you realize as you're watching this, oh my God, like she is really helpless and she has been stuck in this apartment where she's eating like donuts and like really shitty food. She can't get things out of the cabinets. She can't get dressed without help. You're realizing because that's why she, she can't bathe. All of these things, that is really, really sad. So on one hand, yeah, we're hearkening back to the horror story of like how they're like, oh my God, we'd see her outside and we couldn't get away from her and we'd hide when she came at our door. And then you realize, because it's a fucking tragedy, like this poor young girl is stuck. And then to make it worse, when then they move her to the other apartment where she has to go up fucking stairs. Mm. Yep. And she can hardly walk like on a regular basis. And it's like, I can't even fathom 
like what was going through those adopted parents had. I mean, like we know, obviously listening to Michael, he is pretty fucked up. We know, I mean, that whole family, I feel horrible for the boy living in the basement. But when you see the images of Natalia trying to live on her own and you hear the accounts of the people who saw her, I, I don't know if anyone else, it hit that. I mean, that part really, I think out of everything I saw in this documentary was the part that really hit me in the gut the most watching it because it was just so tragic. No, I agree. Even people in the neighborhood who had interactions with her that were negative seemed to understand there was something really fucking wrong there. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like they were just negative. Like They were like, there's something really fucking wrong here. Had to close the door and keep her out because it got weird. But it was very clear that there was something wrong there. And she was so isolated. Yeah. Like, what's she supposed to do? Just sitting there by herself? She's totally isolated. No friends, no family, no support. Yes. You know what almost made it believable that she was in her 20s is because I don't know any nine-year-old kid that you could put in an apartment and they would be able to function at all. And she she did. It's like, you know, she took out the trash. She, you know, our kids... They'd be there for half an hour and they'd be rolling around in their own shit on the floor Henry for crying out loud. Oh, he would have been fine. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost well, like that it worked against her. Yeah, I, you know, but she also, I don't think she's been in a whole lot of situations where stuff was taken care of for her. Yeah, I mean, she goes yeah, yeah. from a Ukrainian uh, orphanage to some place. I just kind of felt like some of the interesting stuff they either couldn't or didn't pursue. So... When that one couple that was going to adopt her from the from the people in Wyndham, New Hampshire, and they go and visit and the guy's like, yeah, the spidey sense was tingling. I'm really good at reading people. There was something completely messed up that was going on there and we just didn't want any part of it. And then the woman from Wyndham calls up and it's like yelling at him and all this stuff. So and I don't know if they just couldn't find it out. So many questions about like what their story is. How did they get this young girl from Ukraine? You know, that whole part of it seems like kind of a crucial moment in figuring out exactly what's what's going on here. You know, maybe they tried really hard. They make no indication of the fact they tried really hard. Again, it's, it seems to me that what this really is, is letting a liar tell his lies yep. and using that to manipulate a story to take what's a pretty extreme but straightforward case of child abuse and turn it into something more twisted mm. because just like Laura was saying if you if you remove all the crap that he says and his trying to set the scene and him trying to frame things in a certain way it's really just very crass awful abuse to the point where you're leaving like a 10 or 11 year old in some town that she's never been in before with like a a card that she can buy food with. And you go to Canada for God's Mm, sake. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely mind blowing child abuse. And that's all this story is except for the lies that Michael tells in the thing. That's the only thing that makes it interesting. It's child abuse and a sordid divorce case, right? Yeah. And yeah. And also, I think there's a strong case to make that he's an abused kid too. Because <sighs> yeah. as a little kid, he's a smart kid, a smart neurodivergent kid that they threw out on stages like a monkey performing for crowds rather than like taking care of him and like putting him in a situation where he can thrive like there are reasons why he's living in his dad's basement instead of out into the world, you know, living like a thriving, yeah, well, that's what I was fully wondering. formed adult because his childhood situation was fucking horrible living with these two horrible people. Like there's a reason for that. It's not Jacob's fault that he's hard to read as an adult because he is neurodivergent. And so the social, we're trying to pick up stuff on like what he really means. And that's, that's very difficult for him and for us to really kind of infer, but it does seem like he has more information that he wants to share or that he could share, but he has these torn loyalties. And I think maybe he's protected some of We don't know, but you're right. There is something there. And by the way, what a beautiful baby face he has. He looks exactly like he did when he was 14, except it looks like they pasted a, a beard and put a wig on him. Yeah, a person with a lot of potential that was like yeah. really stunted. 
I quite honestly, this is another thing I was trying to wrap my head around is like why Michael was letting him talk on this documentary where he's clearly being asked to skew the truth to what Michael's portrayal of what was happening is to the point where when they, and again, like I can just like, I just keep piling up shit. That's just like, why is this like ethical in the slightest where you get that hot mic moment where they're like going over the story that he's supposed to tell. But I couldn't remember like he's the one person who doesn't fit very neatly into the like two story aspect of things because he's not like he gets spread out a little bit between the two stories. And I wasn't clear like when he says that he and his brothers were were terrified of her and were scared. And then later he's sort of copying to his mom's abuse of her. And I just was wondering, is that. You know, is he saying they were scared because his dad wants him to? Were his parents lying to them, to the boys and saying, well, Natalia says she's got these knives and she's going to stab you in your sleep. I was very troubled by the way that both Michael and the documentarians kind of used him to sort of promote, again, this sort of this BS story, which is what's the only thing that makes this documentary kind of work. I'm disturbed by the way the uh, that Michael uses him. I think that if he were in an independent scenario where he could talk free of the influence of his father, like he's a fully formed adult. Being neurodivergent doesn't mean you're incapable of having an opinion and speaking up for yourself. But it's very clear his father is manipulating him still, as we actually hear. No, I, I don't think a, the, the neurodivergence uh-huh, yeah. doesn't affect that, but it's mm-hmm. like getting the 21-year-old kid who lives in your basement to lie for you on a big documentary that's going to go out there. Well, kicking down the stairs, we said we're not going to say, right? Yeah. My plan going in today was to not tell them that. And furthermore, I understand that there could be legal recourse to that. And then, you know, I'm not really looking forward to, like, being subpoenaed. Like, you can't be subpoenaed. Or a minor. Oh, okay. A, a, a child? Oh, it's on my microphone. I am such an idiot. I hope it's Jacob who said, you know what? I, if I stay, I want to stay in the basement because there's a second floor to that house. Michael isn't using all of the upstairs bedrooms, right? I think he lives there with that wife. Maybe they, oh, have, yeah, maybe but, they have other family. But that there's not one giant bedroom. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to stay in the basement. I actually was wondering with the same this, thing. You know, well, yeah, the whole thing was that was, it was weird. And it was, I think it just, it, I mean, you know how we've watched so many documentaries where we'll be like, what a weird place to film. Yeah, like, yeah, they'll yeah. be like, we're filming this person in a, a lot warehouse. Lot we're filming weird this person. visuals here, including yes. some of the weird visuals of Christine, right, Kevin? Oh my God, because we don't get a lot of Christina, but we find out that like, oh, she's like oversexed and sending photos Allegedly. of herself. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh. Well, they... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't the know. The characterization of Christine in this is so fucking fucked up. It is a one-sided characterization. Sure. It is but- one-sided characterization of a lascivious, predatory, oversexed <laughs> That's what it is. I don't Whoa. know any... It is. That's how they portray her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about her. I walk away from the documentary and I'm like, she's a lascivious, predatory, oversexed and you know, the one thing you do know about her yeah, is that they don't have enough be- evidence to right. put her on trial. Correct. As Correct. opposed to Michael, as where they did have enough Michael. evidence. It fucking exactly. See, and he is the one they are interviewing that we are getting all of our information about her from. Yeah. But you know what I didn't get is that when they show like those dirty pictures of her, they would cover all her bits with these big black stars <laughs> instead of like pixelating. It looked like, you know, from a vintage porno magazine from the 70s. Like, oh, just like cover this up with a big, and it was like a big black star. <laughs> and then like two of them, you know, for that shot. And it was really weird. It was hot. It was hot. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying that Christine is perfect. I don't know. I just don't know enough, enough about it. But yeah. The documentary invites us to believe Michael's characterization of this woman when we know he's a fucking liar and everything he says about her plays into every stereotype of every evil slutty. I use that word in scare quotes, you know, predatory harlot. It's yeah. every fucking evil woman stereotype you've ever heard in your life. And yeah. we're supposed and to just be all like, yeah, totally. Yes. So it's, it's all totally self-serving to prevent him 
from being held responsible for the abuse that Natalia. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's all her. Yeah. He's it's deflect and redirect. Yeah. What is his character, or, you know, personality disorder or mental illness? Because why is he so histrionic? Narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissistic personality. I think they also, the very last thing they show, which again, I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? Is, oh, this is the one without tears. You want me to put on the tears? Like, yeah. I think he yeah. just, he's a fucking, he's a bullshit artist. Yeah. 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 Wanted me to sociopath in the documentary? You're looking at him the entire fucking time in the documentary. I mean, Every the whole f- accusation is a confession. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, it doesn't mean that Christine isn't, but yeah. she's not in it, so we can't really judge that. Based on the same four photos we see over and over again. Yeah. The question I would have liked to have asked Jacob is, why did you come back to live with your dad? Hmm. Like, that That to me is was one of the great sort of like... Un- Mysteries. Yeah, it's like why? Why did you? Why did you come back? Because you have to know, just listening to your dad talk about this stuff, that he's fucking lying out his ass the whole time. So it was shit that bad in Canada with your mom that yeah. this this is could better? have been two words, Toby, popcorn machine. Yeah, Dude, the popcorn machine is hot. It yes. didn't look like it had been cleaned in quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, I'll make you a deal. Can I stay in the basement and then you could put the popcorn machine in the living room <laughs> where there's heat and electricity? <laughs> you make it all come up. It's truly the best regular moment we would always have together as a family. Sitting down, having popcorn. It, 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 bring, it brings a level of, of comfort. Like there's a level of... Oh. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the documentary, The Curious Case of Natalia Grace? What do you think, Laura Bricker? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this documentary series? So I'm going to go thumbs up, even though I think there are some flaws with this. And the reason I'm going thumbs up is because I literally could not turn away from this. I started one episode and the next thing I know, six episodes later, my ass is still on my couch, still watching this documentary because there was a lot to unpack here. There was a lot going on. It was just such an unusual story on so many levels from Um, having this little person adopted from the Ukraine, the family dynamics of the family that she's adopted into, the what was put out publicly, what the actual story is. I I mean, it just, I wish we had heard from her. And it sounds like there is going to be, I mean, aside from like the child advocacy interviews, like the forensic interviews that were done with her as part of this case, um, sounds like there is going to be a follow up now where she tells her side of the story. And I think that will be very interesting because, um, you know, we had some narrators here that were more frequent than others. And I would have liked to hear from more voices. So I am looking forward to seeing what Natalia has to say. But overall, I've got to give it a thumbs up just because I literally couldn't turn away from this. So, Laura, that's a a train wreck of a uh, car crash of a thumbs up. Is that what we're hearing? (laughs) Yeah, because I just literally could not turn away. I was like, what is going to happen next? I got to watch the next episode. Toby Ball. All right. So I'll start off by saying it's not boring. All right. That's the last nice thing I'm going to say about it. I, I really and I don't even know what constitutes a spoiler in this case. But to me, uh, this case is a pretty straightforward 
depressing, lurid case that's only made interesting because they give a microphone to a guy who just lies and lies and lies, and they play the lies pretty straight when he tells them. And that's really what creates the drama in it. It's what gives you the ups and downs of the story. It's just this guy bullshitting. And again, I don't know how much I can get away with, with no spoilers, but just to say his story isn't always exactly the same, but all the time that he's talking, even when the filmmakers have to know he's lying, it's played straight and it's played straight at the moment throughout the entire thing. So anyway, again, it's not boring when it was done. I couldn't believe that they were giving this person and what reading between the lines, it seems to me was actually going on that they gave this person a microphone for a freaking four and a half hour long sort of premier documentary to try and talk his way out of stuff that he was most likely involved in. So I just, it's just a huge, huge thumbs down. I, I thought this was really had some real issues just in the way they envisioned it and the way it was carried out and what the final sort of outcome was. Uh, so I, I had sort of strong feelings about it, obviously. So car crush train wreck thumbs down for you. Kevin Flynn. I could not be any further down. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go thumbs up. And I really respect Toby's issues that he brings up, especially about the ethics of maybe how this was put together. I had dinner with Lily after watching episode one and she asked, well, what do you, what are you doing on the next show? And I told her all about it and, and told her breathlessly this first episode and like what happens. And it just goes so it goes in. It's such a eventually a different direction. I get why the documentarian set this up in this way so that you eventually you buy into this narrative and then things start to change. I will say that it is a mystery. And then in the end, it does sort of let you kind of pick what you want to believe is the truth, but the ride is incredible and it's something that you're not going to forget. Kind of flawed, yes. Man, I do not like this, uh, you know, the lawyer who just comes on, has no connection to the case, but she ends up being the talking head. And I'll tell you, someone who is usually the talking head, I can recognize them because they just said, throw out a bunch of rhetorical questions so we can edit around it. Anyway, that's, a, that's neither here nor there. Just my way of saying... I am a thumbs up for the curious case of Natalia Grace. Wow, this is really a divided panel. Yeah, I'm thumbs down for this. Um, entertaining as hell. Fucking bullshit the way this thing was made. <laughs> so yeah, I'm much more on the Toby side of this. I found it riveting and a fucking car crash of an ethical goddamn nightmare of a documentary. This dude was given, like, this is the problem. People will watch this. And walk away believing a lot of shit that this dude said because of the way this thing was made. And that is not okay. Uh, and the filmmakers may not believe that's what they did, but that is what they fucking did. So I'm not going to say anymore. Um, it's not boring. It's entertaining as hell. A lot of our listeners will probably enjoy watching it the same way you enjoy watching a lot of shit on Investigation Discovery and Law and Order SVU and all that stuff. Can I say that it's good? I cannot. So thumbs down for me for the curious case of Natalia Grace. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. A little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The crime of the week. Things did not go well for a Chinese man who was set up on a blind date. The man identified as Mr. Lu invited the woman to a fancy restaurant in Jilin province. His date arrived with some unexpected guests, 23 of her relatives. After the dinner for two turned into a dinner for two dozen, the waiter let Mr. Liu know the relatives ordered copious amounts of expensive cigarettes and top-shelf liquor. The bill totaled more than $2,800, so he ditched his date and let the relatives pay for themselves. The date covered the tab, but demanded that he reimburse her for half. When he declined, the relatives sued him, 
The court sided with Lou, however, saying he should pay about $200 to cover his own meal, but the date crashers were solely responsible for what they consumed. So panel, the family is really disappointed this relationship didn't work out. What were their plans for the second date? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Oh, they were taking a family vacation to Disney World, man. (laughs) All expenses paid. What do you think, Toby? What were this family's plans for the second date they were going to crash? I was thinking a high school reunion. (laughs) What do you think, Kevin? Orgy. I was thinking mini golf at Augusta National. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for us. (laughs) Las Vegas. (laughs) That's going to do it for us. But Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and give you their ideas for date crashing, how can they find you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. Toy Ball, what about you? Folks want to reach out to you and tell you how much they enjoyed the curious case of (laughs) Natalia Grace. How can they find you on social media? At Toby Ball NH. Kevin Flynn, if folks want to share their train crashes with you, how can they find you there? Do it at Kevin P. Flynn. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. Follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On, but please join our incredible official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group to search for us on Facebook, Find our page. I have pinned the post where you can join our group. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Raiders on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement, where we also have a popcorn popper in our living room so every night can be movie night. Yay! On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Not she got it from Jared. No. You got it from Jared. She got it from Jared. Interesting. I mean, he got it from Jared, but that's not what you wanted from Jared. See why you gotta gotta come watch us. I have a great self. Wait, remember when Jared's base claim to fame was that he got skinny? He got skinny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. I remember that. Uh, yeah. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com.